We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm going to ask this one uh, because this is uh, kind of an NFL type of one. Irish Gordy Knott says, outside of Joe Walt, who is the most NFL-ready player on Notre Dame's roster? For the 2024 NFL drafts, I mean, for the for the first for the quick. Let's just say, let's just look into let's just look into this next NFL season. Let's just go right. to like 2024 season. It, it's Aldrich Estime, in my opinion. I mean, he's just like uh, he's physically ready. He's a sturdy, strong back. He's just one of those guys that's just going to be I, I, like Audrey Estime might not ever even be like a a workhorse in the traditional sense of like he is the 70% split share running back on the next level. But I think he's going to get drafted in the top 100 because he's going to come in and at worst be the power element to your committee approach of an offensive attack. And he's going to do that role very well. So I think that he, Again, like physically, the easiest transition. I mean, Audric, the minute that he t- puts on an NFL uniform, he's going to be one of the most impressive looking running backs in the entire National Football League. So I'd probably say Audric. Let me ask you a question, Ryan. How close is Cam Hart to being your pick for that for that spot? I mean, Cam's pretty NFL ready. Um, I, I'm not arguing that Cam should be ahead of yeah. Audric. I'm asking how close is Cam to being that guy? Because if you're I mean, going to go with Audric one, how w- would Cam be next for you? How close would he Cam, be to Cam would, that, Cam would be next. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anybody else that's even like, I mean, Xavier Watts, I guess, would be in that conversation-ish. But like Cam's a, you know, a, a senior. He's physically developed. He's a strong kid. He plays well against the screen game. You know, like I, I think that he's a pretty – safe player on the next level if the medicals check out like uh, yeah I, I think that he would okay. be in that conversation as well i think xavier has a little bit more upside at his position than what cam does currently sure but sure. I, I don't think the floor is as high as cam just because cam's a little bit older you know and a little bit more yeah. developed physically that's what so. i was asking because the with the question being yeah. nfl ready i mean yeah. i i'm not saying that Xavier Watts should or shouldn't go pro. I have no idea. That's my area, not my area of expertise, but I still believe there's a lot he has to develop with his game. 
and from a consistency standpoint, doing it for a whole year and that kind of thing. So I would agree with you. The ceiling is higher there, but, but uh, as far as being ready, I, I would, I would, I would say I tend to have to agree with you too about Cam. And I mean, I think sometimes you could look, Oh, Howard cross, but, but it's like, well, just because the guy is at his peak and pinnacle doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make a smooth transition in the NFL. It just means that's as good as he's going to be. Right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. ND estimate trucking LLC. Michigan's win wasn't that big. Oh, gosh. Penn State is talented, but not that good. And the postgame interview was cringe. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, look, I dislike Michigan as much as anybody, Ryan, but I'm not taking anything away from them that game. They came out, Penn State, you know, kind of put a drive on them early. Um, they don't have their head football coach, who's a a nut and a, a, a weird, wacky dude. Like, if the tweet that I read today that he said when he, somebody asked him if he was sick is actually what he said, I'm like, this guy's nuts. This guy's got something wrong with him. Something. It was said. weird, and you know, it was just it was weird. And it sounds like something he would say. But I mean, the guy eats his boogers, so we should stop the guy is a heck of a football coach. He's a oh, heck of a football coach. You very didn't good. have him. You thought you were going to have him. You flew there thinking he was going to be your head football coach. Everybody just assumed that they were to be granted this, you know, a temporary stay on that 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 ruling, and he would be able to coach that game. You didn't have him. Yep. You're going on the road. Now, do I think Penn State's overrated? Are they a top-10 team? No. Do I think they're a top-15 to 20 team? Absolutely. They're a top-20 yep. team. You still went on the road against a 9-1 and and top-20 football team at a place that's not easy to win against a really good defense. Your, your, your quarterback – and and I know they didn't ask him to do a whole lot, but part of that was he looked a little shaky to me early with some of his decision making yeah. and things like that. And I think that's part of it too. You're you're you, like I'm not look. You went on the road and earned a top legitimate top twenty win, my ranking of Penn State top twenty win without your head football coach and and all the stuff that surrounded your football team. And you played like one. You played like a unified yeah. focused team. That is a heck of a win for me. 
It, it yeah. is. Is Penn State not that good? True. But that's still a huge win for me. And, in, and so in Happy Valley, when yes. everyone's all juice for that game and you have all the stuff kind of swirling behind you and like, yeah, I mean, it could have been easy for, and so I'm going to give some of the kids, kids credit. Cause I'm not ever going to advocate for the cheating side of this thing, but like the kids, the players came to play, man. They smacked yeah. some dudes. I mean, like they physically dominated that game against yeah. Penn state in the spots that you need to physically dominate that game without your head coach. So yes, it's a big, in win. a, in a great job by Sharon Moore to say, look, this is a defense. He saw early on this team is way faster than us. Their defense to our offense is way faster than us. And I mean, first time they dropped back. I mean, first two times they dropped back. Chop Robinson. It was so quick offline. It almost looked like he was fall. He was off sides. Just smoked yeah. his tackle twice. And you're like, yeah, that's going to be a long day for y'all. And so, what did Sharon Moore do? Okay, fine. You're faster than us, but you're small. And we're, yeah. we're, they were like, there's like plays right there, were like eight offensive linemen on the field on first and 10 at like the minus 35. And just, that's, and why, I dis- that's why I disagree yeah. with the draft community so much about Chop Robinson. Cause I'm like, yes, the kid is incredibly explosive and he's got some outside bend to him, which is awesome. But like the kid's 230 pounds, man, he's right. going to get bullied at the point of attack. And that that's ball. exactly what they bullied. did. And, and because the whole front seven's that way is yeah. it's a very athletic group of kids. It's a very talented group of kids, but it's a very undersized group of kids, you know. They actually and, haven't they also haven't been that great on the interior of their defensive mm-hmm. line for the last couple of years either. Yeah. Like that's kind of been like they've been good at edge and they've been good at linebacker, but like they haven't been really good inside recently, which yeah. is kind of weird too. But. Like Isaac's only 250, 245, 250, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so he Abdul Carter's listed bigger than he looks to me. So, and, and, and that was, I mean, that was great. Hey, we're going to make you stop us because we don't think you can score on our, our defense. And right. he was right. So that was a big win for Michigan. Now, is it embarrassing and a joke that they had to wait till week 11 to actually play somebody good? Yeah, that's embarrassing. And if you want to hammer Michigan for that, that's fine. And if you want to say hey, that one win over top 20 team doesn't, doesn't validate that they're, they belong in the top four, I would agree with that too. But I'm not taken away from how good of a win that was. When you put all the context and circumstances that were going around that program, uh, th- those kids, like you said, Ryan, those kids came to play. They they yeah. they talk about drowning out the noise. They drowned out all that noise and came to play. And the team yep. that played rattled was the home team. That yes. that that's a team that played rattled. So uh, huge props but, to Michigan on that one. But Andy estimate trucking LLC. The one thing that we can agree on is that that post-game interview oh. for Sharon Moore was as about cringy as you will ever find in your life. My guy was talking like Jim Harbaugh had died. Yeah. Like, guys, we're, we're fighting through adversity. You got caught it's for self-imposed. Cheating. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes, it was so – it just was like – I mean, I'm centered I'm, – I was thinking myself the whole game like, dude, this guy just got himself a head coaching job. Like yeah, the man, way that, that team, the way he handled that game, he was like, you got yeah. yourself a head coaching job. And then that interview came and I'm like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe but not. Like he was, he was fine up to a certain point, man. Like give all the credit to the kids and their, yes. you know, perse- per- perseverance and all that type of stuff. Why did you have to bring up Jim into this? Look, and then the sobbing. The I'm like, bro, I understand the emotion, but you're sobbing. Like you're weeping right. on national TV. Like, dude. Like Blake Corm's looking like coach, man. Chill, dude. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, did you see? Did you see the? Did you see their little like that? They were dapping up and stuff, and yeah. Blake looked so uncomfortable. Yeah, like, very uncomfortable. Yeah, it was, you know, that was the most one of the most big. That was one of the best Big Ten big games we've seen in a while, because a lot of these Ohio State Michigan games have been like these high scoring type of games. I mean, when you see the Michigan running back after the game with this giant cut on his forehead and blood, I mean, like, that's the Big Ten. That's the Big Ten. It's not going to be that anymore, but that's the Big Ten. And uh, like you said, I, I understood Blake Corm's emotional reaction after the game because the kids are going to look at this a little differently than the coaches will. I have no sympathy sure. for the coaches. I have no yeah. sympathy for the adversity you guys face because you brought this on yourselves, okay? Uh, but I, I got a lot of respect for those kids that went out there and played like the way they did on Saturday. Yeah. So I'm not taking anything yeah. away from them. But, yes, that was a very freaking cringy post-game show or post-game press conference. R.I.P. Jim Harbaugh, apparently. Apparently he died yeah. and they did it all Ser- It was so weird. So right. weird. Michael Collins with a question. If Coach Chancey Stuckey were to leave, could you see a scenario where Chip Long comes back to Notre Dame as the co-OC and coaches tight ends with Parker coaching wide receiver since he played wide receiver at UK and has coached that position? That's actually interesting. I'd be fine with that. I'd, look, I'm I'm very high on Chip Long. Everybody knows that, not just as a coach, but he's also a friend. So I would be all about him coming back and coaching there. I think he did a good job. I think he brings some of the toughness and the edge. Uh, some of the things that that Chip did that that uh, made him not liked by some of the players. Some liked that, some didn't. And the things he did that rubbed people some wrong way. I think Chip's had to deal some humility the last couple of years. You know, this guy went from being a uh, an offensive coordinator on an undefeated playoff team to he's an analyst at Louisville, and he you know what I mean. And he was an OC at Tulane, and then Georgia Tech, and 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 those type of things. And it's like he's had to look in the mirror and say, okay, what did I do right at Notre Dame, and what would I have done different? And I know that there's things that Chip would have looked back and said, I wish I could have done that different because he loves Notre Dame. I mean, he would absolutely yeah. come back, and. um you know, and and being with Jeff Brom for a year now, he's good friends with Jeff Brom. They've known each other a long time, and you know, but but I'd I'd be okay with that. It'll never happen because people at Notre Dame won't allow that to happen, which is sad to me, uh, because I think some of the stuff that he was accused of is just bullcrap and uh, or exaggerated, and uh, he it was a lot of it was trumped up charges because Brian Kelly wanted to get his guy in there basically because Chip was one of those people. The reason that Brian Kelly didn't like Chip Long and Harry Eastand is because they wouldn't listen to him. Like he would say, you know, they, they would show the necessary reverence as head coach, but like they just kind of did what they thought was right and deal with the butt chewing. I'm talking like play calling and stuff like that. Not, not like belligerent, you know, just screw you. I'm not doing it stuff. And then also Chip was always busting Brian Kelly's balls about, you got to recruit more. Got to recruit more. You got to recruit more. I need your help with this guy. I need your help with that guy. And uh, and then Brian Kelly didn't like that because he because everybody else just left Brian Kelly alone. Like Brian Kelly surrounded himself with nothing but, nothing but yes men, and that's part of the reason he didn't like Mike Elko, and it's part of the reason he didn't like Chip Long, and it's why he hated Harry Heastand because they were not yes men at all. And so, um, yeah, I think Chip would do a heck of a job, absolutely heck of a job. Uh, yep. in that role with, with Jared Parker. And I think they're close enough in philosophy and personality that they would mesh well together. I do. But I don't see that happening as much as I would right. like it to. In, yeah, in theory, oh, would and, be and by the way, sense. he's also a heck of a recruiter. 
by the way. Yes. Chip Long is. Well, so you get say, a heck of a recruiter there. It, it kind of hits a lot of different areas that I think would be really helpful for the staff. I mean, you talk about the experienced offensive play caller with Jared Parker helping him kind of to be able to move that attention forward. Also, if you did lose Chancey Stuckey, it would be a an easier transition because literally Jared Parker has coached mostly in his career wide receivers. That's literally been like the spot that he has coached most. And he's been good so, at it. Yes, he has. Go, so he has go look what the Penn State kid said about him in 2019 is one year there. He's a very good receivers coach, reputation-wise. Yes. Yep, and then the recruiting bump would obviously be huge as well because th- that would be the one thing that would be the one thing that I think he would lose most with Chancey Stuckey is that Chancey Stuckey is a good recruiter. He is so having Chip Long would potentially be a very nice little bump and help in that mm-hmm. department as well. So, yep. And Chip yeah, also was used uh... to talking to different types of positions and players as well. Yes. Like it wasn't like he was just focused on one spot as the OC. Oh, like he had he hand was the, in everything, you know. Right. He was the reason they got Chris Tyree. I mean, he was the driving yeah. force be- behind getting Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey. I mean, he he was the primary recruiter in a lot of positions at Notre Dame. Uh, right. So yes, he would absolutely that would that would be big. They're not going to do it, uh, I don't think, but it'd be smart. Sometimes it's like, hey, you know, give the guy a chance to say you're sorry. You're a Catholic institution. Give the guy a chance to say sorry. The guys that he had beef with are gone, and right. you know, and and uh, and make the move. But I, I think him and Jared Parker get along very well too. So of of what I know of Jared Parker, I think he would because Chip would bring an edge. I mean, yeah, Chip would change some things about how he's been, but Chip's still gonna come in with some some fire and and desire toughness. There's no doubt about that. Quinn Kibler, what's up, Quinn? Is Marcus Freeman too concerned about having four scholarship quarterback? Is that really most often the case? Starter, backup, and redshirt. I guess we need another sig- si- uh, sign no, that's, signal. That's nothing to do with sign signalers. Yes, you need four yeah. quarterbacks on your roster. What What if you yeah. only have three and somebody gets hurt? Now you're down to two. So, Or what if in this era of transferring? So let's say you say, oh, we're not going to go to the portal. We've got C.J. Carr. We've got Kenny Minchie. We've got, we've got uh, Steve Angeli. We're good. Yeah. Then let's say Kenny Minchie or CJ Carr beats out Steve Angeli. You really think Steve Angeli is just going to be the, the oldest guy in the room and not start? Right. What's his pathway to starting, Ryan? There isn't one. This is the point you made about Alabama with Tyler Buckner going to Alabama. Like, if you don't start, yeah. there's no pathway for you to being the starter like there would have been if you stayed in Notre Dame. Sure. He's going to leave. I would I would assume he would leave. I would, And if Drew Pine's not going to stay, then I don't ever think a guy that gets beat out like that's going to stay. I don't ever think that. And and so now you're down to two, one of them being a true freshman. So yeah. there's a million reasons you need it. You need four arms as much as you can. Now you'd have a Dylan Devison is, is a guy that can you know be a scout team guy and all that, and that's fine. But he can't be your three. He's got to be your four at worst. So right. you, you go out and get a fourth quarterback because the chances of you staying at four after spring are not great. They're not great. And so yeah, he they absolutely. Look, here's the deal. I've said this before. Notre Dame needs to go to the portal for a quarterback, Ryan. There's no debating that. The question is, what kind of quarterback should they go get? That's the debate. That's going to be determined by who's available, what their faith level is in Kenny Minchie, all that kind of stuff. Um, That's up for debate. There is no debate to me on whether they should go to the portal. I've I've said this before. At the very least, you go to the portal for a Tristan Gebbia type of guy. The very least. You go to the portal. The kid that uh, the UCLA got that's not starting for him, but like that kind he of veteran guy. Last where, game, apparently. Okay. So. 
So like and that kind of guy, points, by the way. Yeah. Bare minimum, that kind of guy, where you've got right. a good veteran. He wants to get into coaching. This is a great opportunity to get your masters at Notre Dame. And if we need you, be ready. They right. at the very least need that kind of guy. And to your point, you've always say, Ryan, there's nothing wrong with competition. I would just, you know, if you bring in a guy that's a good football player that those guys are going to have a tough time beating out, so be it. I would just say, give them a legitimate chance to beat him out. That oh, would be my be only chance. thing. Always yeah. be a legitimate chance. Yeah. I'm, but I'm if always... they brought in another Sam Hartman, the odds are they're not. Like if they brought in Riley Leonard, let's be honest. Yeah. You're not going to sit Riley Leonard. Sure. For Kenny Minchie, unless he goes out and plays poorly in games. You're just not going to do it. And to me, that that that's my concern. If you bring in a guy now, Riley Leonard's probably a bad example because a month ago that was a dude for me. Now I have my concern with Riley Leonard are physical. He's had a, two low, different lower body injuries, one of them being a toe, and I always get real nervous when it comes to quarterbacks and like foot toe injuries because sometimes those don't heal right or they can kind of continuously flare up again, right? But if it's a dude, it's fine. But if it's a Hudson Card type of guy, okay. You know, he's not going to be it, but I've used him as an example. He's a good player, but not an elite player. That's fine, but you better give those young guys a chance to beat them out, a legit chance to beat them out. And, yep. you know, that, that, that'd be my big concern because I'm afraid they're going to go into a bit of a panic move. They look at how young their team's going to be next year. They look at the schedule, and they panic move into a quarterback. But here's the frustrating thing for me, listening to Coach Freeman today kind of defending Sam Hartman. He's like, look, you know, Sam's still in the first year of a new – I'm like, guys, if you can't if, – if if 10 games is not enough for a sixth-year senior who's like entered the season top 20 all-time in passing yards or passing touchdowns, and 10 games is not enough time to get him comfortable in your offense, there's not a quarterback out there that's going to be better than that next year mentally and experience-wise. There is one. There's an offensive issue, not a quarterback issue. Correct. Agreed. Correct. Agreed. And just plugging in another quarterback is not going to fix that. So, no. you know, but portal is a place you're gonna have to go for a quarterback, no matter what, even if it's, I've said before, even if it's an Ivy league kid that started in the Ivy league that knows he's probably not starting at Notre Dame, but can get you out of a game or get you out of a couple games. If there's an injury, fine, but you're going to at the very minimum need that type of player. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you need to get the four, obviously Gwen, like you need to, like Brian said, I mean, you're only an injury or a transfer away from, being in a very tough situation. And I mean, we were just a year removed from, I mean, remember bowl season last year, Brian, where it was like you had Tyler Buckner and Steve Angeli and you had Tyler Buckner coming back from an injury where you're like, dang man, like you're two healthy quarterbacks on the roster right now. Like this is not a great situation yeah. to be in. So that room is so important. So yeah, you need to continue to, to bolster talent. I, I think we agree on the transfer portal from the sense of there's nobody that I'm bringing in either. That is the guaranteed starter, no matter what. Like competition is very much on the table. You need to beat out Minchie and Jelly, CJ Carr. You need to beat them out. And whoever the best man is, is the best man at the end of the day. Because honestly, no matter what decision gets made, Brian, there's probably going to be a quarterback that isn't happy. And there's right. always, if there's a quarterback that isn't happy, there's always that chance that they make a decision to leave, right? right? So you can't be afraid of that. That's why the competition is important, and that's why you need to have that four number to start with. The concern I have, table. Ryan, is this. And every, I, we, we, you are on the same page on all that stuff. But you also have to be practical about the, where we are. If Notre Dame gets a quarterback, it's going to be a. It's going to most likely be a graduate, which means he comes in in the spring, 
And if he gets beat out by Steve, let's say he gets beaten by Kenny Minchie. Let's say Kenny's the guy. Because I think that deep down, that's the guy that I'm hoping steps up and wins the job. That That's who I'm hoping. I'm full honesty, just going to be honest. That's the guy that I hope takes the big jump and says, this is mine. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. We, we need to see it, but that's my hope. If let's say that guy comes in and he gets beat out, there's no guarantee he's going to stay and not just say, well, screw this. I'm going to go to some other school and start for a year. Then you also then lose Steve Angeli for the same exact reason. Now you're back to square one. So you've got to make sure it's a guy that you're that you that that you feel comfortable is going to not leave if he gets. I mean, you need to have that conversation. Like, look, man, we're going to give you every chance to start, but I just we need to have a conversation about what happens if you don't. If you get beat out, what happens if you don't? And if he gets all squirmy and all that, then you know that's not the guy. That's not the guy. And so uh, it it just leaves you in a, a bit of a tough a tough spot just because of where you are with your roster and people talk. You know, the, the walk-on kid, Dylan, he's a nice kid, but he can't be part of your three. That's the whole point that we're getting to. He, he's he got to be your four. You're going to need at least four a third guy. Because yep. your four, his focus on four, Quinn, is to ensure that they're guaranteed to have three if somebody leaves or goes down, right? Now, if somebody leaves and you have an injury, it is what it is. Now Dylan can step in and be your three. That's fine. But you can't be in a situation where you go into the fall with two scholarship quarterbacks. You just can't. You can't do it. Like, and, and yeah, you just, man, there's just, you can't, you can't justify that. Start warming up Mitch Levin's arm, baby. Start doing Seriously. it. Mark Avalone, mailbag with the portal and NIL. How will players' alumni loyalty change? For example, with Michael Penix be more attached to Washington or Indiana or even one year grad transfer rentals? How, which they, how much will they support in future? I mean, it's going to vary kid to kid. It's going to be determined yeah. by the experience you had at a place. Like I, it sounds I would like be the NFL Hall of Fame, where they're like, you know, "What team are you representing when you get that right. bust in the Hall of Fame?" You know, right? Like, uh, it, it's just going to depend on what your relationship was like with the institution. I've, I've everything I've ever heard about Sam Hartman's relationship with Wake Forest. I would be shocked if in ten years, five, ten years, if it even takes that long. I mean, he's going to look at himself as a Wake Forest guy. Right. I mean, I, and, and I would, too. That's not a knock on him. And he, he may even if Notre Dame came out and won a national championship, Notre Dame fans would always look at him as a Notre Dame guy. But he's still going to look back and you know, who are the guys that he grew with? Who are the who are the coaches that really helped to turn him from a, a you know, a, a boy to a man, so to speak, or a young man to a grown up? Right. The, Dave Clawson and Warren Ruggiero had a big role in that. And they're always going to hold us. I would imagine always hold a special place in his heart. The kids he played that he grew up with, that he that he you know, came in as freshmen with and then went out or even guys when he was a, a, a sophomore that were freshmen like A.T. Perry, who he played with for four years. You're always going to have a special, you know, place in your heart for those kind of guys. How long you're at a place is going to be the reason for that. I mean, if you're at a place for one or two years, by the time you transfer, you, you know, you may not, you may not have that same thing, but um, it just depends on how long you're at a place and, and your circumstances. And some kids, it'll be both. It'll be, I support both of them equally because I had great experiences with both of them. But right. I would imagine, and if I had to bet more often than not for the one year guys, you're going to spend as much time at one, you know, all that time at one place. That's where your heart's always going to be. You had to make a business decision to go somewhere else, but that's where your heart is. Cause that's where you have the emotional connections in my right. opinion. So that that's where, where now Michael Penix is different because he's going to spend multiple years at Washington 
and he spent multiple years with Kalen DeBoer. It, it may be different for him, uh, but for the the one year guys like Sam Hartman, it's it's usually going to be the school you came from. Yeah, more often than not, I would say that obviously there are going to be some exceptions. Like I remember when Jalen Hurts came out at the Senior Bowl when he had the helmet that was half Alabama, half Oklahoma. Like I'm sure he's going to be a guy that's going to support both those programs moving forward because they obviously did a lot for him in the time that he was there. So I think it depends on the, the individual. I would agree. We had T-Guns. A, I, let me hold on real quick. That is a really interesting question though, that Mark brought up. I've never really thought about that. Like how many of these kids are now like have multiple potential loyalties. Mark, good, good question, man. I, uh, that's a very good question. I mean, let's get to T-Guns. These next couple questions are going to be, I'm going to read the next one, Ryan. So we'll get to this one. First. Okay. T-Gun says Buffalo or non-Buffalo based mild wing sauce. Um, If I'm taking a sauce, Tommy, I'm not going mild because I have chest, I have hair on my chest. So I'm going to, hey, you know, I'm going to take time that. out, <laughs> time out. Some people's bodies literally can't handle that. I have tried hotter uh, sauces before. They taste great, but my body just doesn't take them well. Uh, but yeah. um, I, I'm fine with both. I mean, whatever. I, whatever, whatever you like. If, if, you're, if you're eating next... mild, bu- if you're eating mild sauce, are you really eating buffalo sauce? Would be my yes, question. you are. That'd be my question, Tommy. So here's the question from Irish Gordy Knot, and I've got to say this because if I don't say it, start off with Ryan and I are going to have a big argument right now. So Irish Gordy Knot's question, Ryan, with the asterisk, is favorite Thanksgiving food, turkey not included, because we're going to get yeah. into a big not liking turkey, yeah. liking turkey thing. So taking turkey yeah. out of the conversation, Ryan. What is your favorite? We're not going to really have an argument over Thanksgiving food. That was sarcasm. But yes, I'm really glad we're taking turkey. Take turkey off the table because it stinks 364 days a year. So why are we making it good for one day a year? Right, exactly. Uh, I'm a big uh, mac and cheese guy, man. Baked mac and cheese, a little crumb on the top. You know what I mean? Some green beans. I could do that as well. Sweet potatoes. I I mean, uh, mashed potatoes. I mean, there's a lot of really good Thanksgiving sides it's just that turkey is very overrated is the only thing so so uh i would say so mine i have kind of a tie i I don't really eat a lot on thanksgiving i have turkey i have rolls and then i have um i mix i take mashed potatoes and corn and mix it together that's really well done sweet corn and then stuffing that's really all i eat so i don't know that i could pick one i i kind of like the combination of those two together but if i can only have one of the two I'd probably go mashed potatoes and corn because I think that is a wonderful combination for me. I don't know what it is, but that combination is just something I very, very much enjoy. But yeah, uh, yeah I and and like my wife is this way, my dad's this way, but they'll like take their food and they'll just like put it on one plate and just pour gravy all over it. I I don't do that. I kind of like the unique flavors of all of them. But those would be those would be mine. And I personally do love turkey, so that's that'd be one for me. I, but as far as the side to go with it. Do you do ham, Ryan? Is that like is that your protein on Thanksgiving? No, do you do ham? No, I mean, I, I I still eat the turkey. I I mean, because like if you smoked, I've had smoked turkey, and like that's fine. It's good. It's it's a good solid meal. My my point is that there's just a lot better proteins out there. Sure, there's a whole lot better. That's it. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Nathan Millen, are you surprised we haven't seen more of, of Tyson Ford? Uh, Brian, you had obviously have a lot more in-depth uh, as far as practice availability to Tyson Ford. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll say about this, Nathan, before Brian goes a little bit more in-depth, is I'm not because because like this year I was not at any practices, so I'm just I'm, a, I'm hearing what Brian's saying, what Vince is saying, and it was just always kind of the same thing in my opinion, right? And Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the kid looks great. 
The kid's really athletic, but at no point did I get the sense of like he's dominating these practices and he's yeah. pushing hard for those types of opportunities, yeah. right? So I'm not surprised. I'm not. He'll flash. He'll have some plays. You're like that kid's got a chance to be really good. The thing with Tyson is his patience is going to be needed. Tyson yeah. is Tyson is still very much learning the game. He battled a little bit of injuries this year. He's immensely talented. Like you, you see him in practice, Ryan, and you're like, he's the guy that I thought he could be. He's just right. not nearly as far along as I hoped he would be. That thing I would say, but the tools are still there. I'm not surprised he hasn't. We haven't seen a lot of him this year. I mean, we've seen him in every blowout. We've seen him, and he had a sack against I think Tennessee State, right? Uh, but um, and, and you also have a lot of veterans there. I mean, where he would play, he'd either going to play three technique or big end. And you've got veteran players at all those spots, right? I mean, he could play yeah. in, you know, you got Howard Cross as a fifth year senior, Riley Mills is a senior, Gabriel Rubio is a junior. Um, you know, you've got Javante Jean Baptiste is a six year senior because he could also play big end. You've got Nana as a fifth year senior. You know, he's another guy that, that is was ahead of him. So I'm not surprised. My, my hope is that, that Tyson sticks it out, doesn't get discouraged, and comes out and competes this spring and takes a jump. I just hope they haven't given up on him yet. That's my fear, is there are some on this staff that, to me, strike me as guys that if you haven't figured it out by your sophomore year, they just kind of move on. And I think yeah. that's a mistake. Uh, but Tyson's got to also – Tyson's got to understand the difference between I work hard and I, I'm a hard worker. And there's a difference. And, you know, if he can figure that part out, he's going to have a chance to be really good because the town is there. Like the town sure. is there. The question is, is the maturity as a player technically um, yeah. and all of those areas, is that there yet? That's not there yet. But if I, he's willing to stick it out and keep working, he'll have a chance to be a really good football player. Is this fair also, Brian? I, this is just kind of my perspective on Tyson. Cause I remember at one point, Tyson this offseason listed weight was about 290 pounds, right? Yeah. And then he kind of cut weight and he's back down into the 270-something range. He strikes me as the kid that might also just be kind of in that tweener spot right now of like, is he a big end? Is he an interior player? Right. And trying to figure out how he exactly fits positionally. You know what I mean? Because like that's tough. Yeah. That's tough when you're in that spot where it's like, yeah. if you're a true edge, maybe you get the weight down a little bit, play closer to 270, and that's just kind of your weight. But if you're a true interior player, then maybe let's get up to that 285, 290 range and play in that role. It feels like he might be in a little bit of the tweener side right now, too. I think where they project him also might depend on who comes back next year. Like if if Riley Mills and Howard Cross both came back hypothetically, then I'd say, hey, Tyson, let's let's cut five to ten pounds and, and try to get you set to play big end. Because you're, yep. you know, uh, that's what I would do. Uh, my, my fear is that Notre Dame, I, I just... My concern with the way this season has gone and some of the negativity surrounding the program, some of it justified, some of it not, that they're going to make panic moves, like trying to convince Nana to come back instead of coaching up the younger players on the roster, going to get in a portal guy that you probably look at and say, that guy doesn't move the needle, you know, playing a veteran when you should be, you know, trying to convince Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand and Marist all to come back next year because you don't want to take a chance at, you know, eventually you got to move on to the younger players. And I think 2024 is the perfect year to do that at a lot of spots, because if you do that, maybe you take your lumps and you go nine and three again next year, Ryan. And I'm not saying that's okay, but maybe you do, but you look fast forward to 2025 and you're going to have a lot coming back and a lot of talented players coming back. A lot of speed. Yes. Yes. 
let uh, know, Drake Bone and Jay Dalsbury um, take their lumps next year. Let let Bubakar right. take his lumps next year. Let Armel Mukum and Tyson Ford and you know what I mean? Like all let Christian Gray let all these kids take their lumps next year, Ryan. Don Schuler, yeah. all of them. And then Cam Williams at receiver. And then come back in 2025 with a team that you know, Kenny Minchie, whoever, CJ Carr, whoever your quarterback is. And then come back in 25 with an absolutely freaking stacked team. And now these kids all have experience as opposed to yeah. postponing that eventual youth movement's eventually going to happen. Do you keep pushing it down the road or do you say, Hey, let's, let's dive into it and do the, what we need to do to get these kids ready to play. Cause you're, you're going to be able to, you're going to maybe lose a game because of your youth, maybe even lose two, but there's also going to be games, some games, maybe you don't think you're going to win that you do because that's the game when it clicks for those because the talent is there. You're going to win some games because you're talented too. And I'd say bite the bullet and coach those kids up. And Because I think the schedule sets up where if you do a good enough job coaching, maybe you lose the A&M game, maybe you don't. But you now got about a month to just – you can out-talent people and just turn them loose. Right. And those kids – and then by November when you've got to play Florida State and USC and Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury got like eight – you know, Jaden Nolan Ziegler got like eight, nine games under their belt. I'd love to see what that team looks like. Sure, man. I I, I miss uh, Bubakar Traore. By the way, saw him for one one play against USC, yeah. and I feel like I haven't seen him for I two know. games. <laughs> yeah, gosh, they don't want to hurt his sack rate. Yeah. Oh man, his pressure rates through the roof, man. <laughs> Irish blooded. One player running out for senior day this week. What makes you happy to see do so as an achievement, rather they come back next year or not? So one player you're happy to see at senior day. Hmm. Xavier Watts. That's the one for me. And the reason I say is if there's a kid on this roster who had every reason in the world to transfer, it's him. Right. He had every legitimate excuse, reason, justification to say, I'm out of here. Like you guys are jerking me around. He had his previous position coach just flat out lied to him. You know, told him one thing and then, you know, oh, you're going to play, you're going to play. Oh, then screw him around. Hey, we're, we're, we're going to give you a legitimate chance. Don't play defense this year. You're going to give you a chance. And then don't. And then he moves to defense. They put him at Rover. And then they, he could have said, you know what? Screw this. And he's already got his degree. He could have he could have gone anywhere he wanted to this, even this offseason, and said, screw this. I'm out of here. But he didn't. He said, I'm okay. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play. And I'm going to, I'm going to just what I'm going to do whatever they ask me to do. You want me guys want me to be a rotation guy? I'll be a rotation guy. You want me to be a guy? You want me to be a playmaker? I'll be a playmaker. That kid has had one of the best attitudes I've seen in a long, long time for a kid who genuinely got screwed over, right? A lot of other kids got screwed over and they still, they bailed, right? Phil Dracova got screwed over. He did. He still made the decision to leave when he could have stayed, waited one more year, battled with Ian Book, and then be the guy the next year. He could have done that. He chose not to. Right. So right or wrong, I'm not saying it is right, but he chose to leave. Other guys chose to leave. Xavier chose to stay and he's being rewarded for it. Number one, he's being rewarded because he got a freaking degree from Notre Dame in three and a half years. Yep. He's already got his degree and now he's becoming an impact player. And Ryan, to, to what you've said, I'm quoting Ryan here, skyrocketing up, skyrocketing up, skyrocketing up NFL draft boards. You know, um, and that's I, I love to see that because look, we have created a society, a society in so many ways, where when adversity comes, you just quit. You just transfer somewhere else. You just quit. You know, and there's a time and a place to transfer. I transferred. 
it's okay to transfer, but it's just so easy now to just say, well, life's too tough. You're being, you're being, you know, treated unfairly because of your, your whatever, where you're from, your gender, your race, whatever the reason may be that coach didn't recruit me and just say, it's okay. It's not your fault. Just quit. And when you see kids that say, screw you, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to battle. I'm going to stay in battle. And that's what Xavier did. And I can't be prouder of that kid to see what he's turned into. He's going to have a degree. He's going to be an NFL draft pick. And and and, and it's a kid who had every right. And he's one of those ones, Ryan, that had a justification. He had a justified. If he would have left, I'd have been like, I get it. And there are some kids that left that you, I get it. I have no, I, I, I understood why Phil Dracovic left. I, I truly did. It's just like, you don't need to keep talking about it four years later. That was mm-hmm. kind of my yeah. issue. But like yeah. some kids have a, you chose to leave and you were righteous in your, the reasons why you were frustrated and left. Other kids aren't. Xavier would have been righteous in his reasons to leave, but he said, no, right. I'm going to stay and compete. And if you know Lawrence how the kid was raised, one. yeah. yeah. And Lawrence is another one that should have stayed, in my opinion. But I understood why he left. He got lied to, flat right. out lied to. And, when, and that's why I transferred after my freshman year, right? I was a starter as a freshman on a top 25 team. It's a, But you lied to me. You lied right to my face multiple times. And there's no trust there. I'm out. I'm not, And for me, it's like I'm not paying my own way to go to a school with this, right? It'd be different maybe if I was on scholarship or whatever. but. You know, to me, he would have been, a, I would have understood Xavier leaving, but he didn't. So to watch him come out on senior day, not just that he's still here, but he's triumphed over it. He'll have a degree. He'll be a, he's a baller. That's a great, great, great story. And I'm proud as heck yeah. of that kid. Well, I think I've mentioned it before, but Howard Cross would be another one for me where it's like, if I wanted a definition of like a guy outworking his talent level that's howard cross man like he's a good talent man but he is not he's second on the team in tackles right now and for the majority of the season he was probably their best defensive player for like a decent amount of it until xavier watts kind of took over down the stretch in the middle of the season right like howard cross was tremendous and howard cross is six foot 275 280 pounds defensive tackle playing nose a position that he should not be playing physically but you know why he's good that kid's relentless man he works yes. his butt off and he is a he's just a grinder of a football player so whether he comes back or not next year if i want to show teach tape to young guys as far as like hey you know how hard you should work that hard right like that hard right there watch that kid hey, Tyson play. Ford. If you if right. you work like that kid, you can be a day one or day two NFL draft pick, right? Like that's exactly the kind of kid you're talking about, right? And you know the other part too that I love about it when you look at a kid like Howard Cross, mm-hmm. it just from what I'm told, what you see on Saturday is who he is on Monday. It's who he is on Tuesday. And if you talk to Howard Cross, you listen to him talk, you're like this kid has no idea that he's a six foot, two hundred and seventy pound nose tackle. There's no concept yeah. of it because to him, he's, he's a six foot five, 285 pound killer. That's how he carries himself. You know what I mean? And gosh, you love kids like that. And he's yeah. another one of those kids that people say, oh, why you take, including me, why are you taking that kid? Why are you taking that kid right now? And now you get it. Now you understand. Yeah. Cause this is exact. I remember talking to Mike Elson when they took a commitment from him 
And what Howard Cross has turned into is exactly why Mike Elson said they were taking him. This kid's going to be way better than you think. He's a heck of a football player. Yeah, I know if it, his thing was if he was 6'5", 290, or 275, he's not coming to Notre Dame. He's probably going to Alabama or Georgia or you know, Ohio State or something. He'd been a five-star recruit because the talent was immense. It's just yeah. you he's six foot, 250 pounds at the time. Right. And and this is what Mike Elson told me he was. This is because I questioned him. I said, Coach, why are you taking this kid? Like, you know, like what what you know, there was other guys on the board that I just thought were better players and so, you know, why are you taking this guy? And he was like, he's this, he's, he's a great worker. He's a smart kid. He's got great techniques, got powerful hands. He's got a relentless motor. Like he's going to put into work every day. And this kid's going to go out there and outperform all these other higher rank kids that we are looking at. So, okay, coach, if you say so, <laughs> guess what? He's Nailed right. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. been all those things. And that's part of the evaluation process. You know, that it's like you want to know part of the reason why their name's taking Dom Hulak because they see a kid that has that kind of heart and motor and want to. You need guys like that. You don't right. take an entire team full of those guys, but you need guys like that in your class. You got to balance them with the Tyson Fords and stuff, you know what I mean, as well. But you need guys like that, right? And that's who Howard Cross was. And he's been everything that they want him to be. So that's a great call as well, right? It's a great call. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Notre Dame has just two games left in the regular season, and this weekend is the home finale against Wake Forest. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to either game or to your favorite concert or comedy club, Game Time is the place for you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed, that's gametime.co. Ryan Prot. Ryan, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that name, that last name wrong, but your first name is fantastic. With Notre Dame looking for another quarterback, who would you love to see come Notre Dame out of the portal of the most of the not completely unrealistic possibilities? I have no idea who's going to be a possibility. Yeah, so. I, I really don't. I really don't. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got there was this rumor going around that Michael Pratt was going to look hard at Notre Dame and like yeah. Go to senior bowl. <laughs> right. Right. Um, 
you know, so because like there's all this talk about how deep this NFL draft class is, and Ryan, I think you've kind of pointed this out. Like, there's two guys yeah. that are no brainers, but there's a lot of jockeying and for position behind those yeah. guys, right? A lot of numbers, and, a lot of numbers. Yeah, it's just the question yeah. Of like where so they like, fit. If you're a Michael Pratt type of guy, do you do you take a risk of getting hurt again next year? You know, or transferring somewhere else and seeing what's happened. I mean, of all the transfers this offseason, how many of them are balling right now? There aren't a lot. You know, there really aren't a lot. Hudson Card's yeah. doing okay. I mean, there's there's nobody's yeah. just out there ripping it up that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. And it's and more so from, it's more from, it's more from the previous year, like the the Caleb Williams, the Jaden Daniels, of the, the Bo Nixes, the guys that have been multiple years yeah. in the system. Imagine that. Right. Imagine that, um, you know, like Riley Leonard a month ago would have been a no brainer for me. But like I said, the lower body injuries concern me. Number one, those are pesky injuries. Number two, he lost a lot of development time this year, Ryan, as well. And didn't take the jump as a player because of the injuries that I wanted to see him take. And, you know, that's not as much of a no brainer as it would have been for me a month or two ago, probably two months ago because of that so like I, I don't know who that guy would be to be completely honest with you and no idea you know like riley leonard's immensely talented but you know you're gonna you're gonna put your the hopes of your football team on a guy that as a you know this past year threw three touchdowns and three picks i mean that's all he did you know not that he wasn't a very good player but it's like the injuries and the just it kept him from producing the way you you think he could have produced and so that's not even a, the sure thing that it was for me a month and a half, two months ago. So I don't know who that guy would be, Ryan. I really don't. I, I just, I'm looking around at college football and I'm like, who's the guy that could make, like you said, okay, Carson Beck ain't jumping in the portal. Okay. Yeah. Um, More right, likely exactly. he enters the draft than enters the portal. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Quinn Ewers isn't going in the portal no. to your point. He would go to the draft before he would do that. Like, who is that guy in the portal? Kyle McCord's not going in the portal. And if he yeah. did, is he that needle mover? I I don't think he – so who's that guy? Who's that guy, Ryan, that's going to jump yeah. in the portal and beat – I don't know who that's going to be. This portal you – know and this is just speculation on my part, but I think that this portal feels more like it's going to be filled with young quarterbacks than experienced yeah. quarterbacks, in my opinion. Like I could see like one of the – let's say if Quinn Ewers goes back or even comes out, whatever – I mean, I could see like a Malik Murphy entering the portal or an Arch Manning even entering right. the portal, depending on how that situation goes, right? So like maybe one of the young Texas kids, maybe, you know, one of the young kids that's kind of getting passed over, maybe a a, a, a Wigman from Texas A&M leaves if like they don't like, if he doesn't like the hire, but like a bunch of young guys, you know, more than like proven commodities. It feels like that kind of team, that kind of yeah. year. I could be wrong, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't see the, I don't see it being, and, and that's not who Notre Dame's going to have a chance to get really. I mean, that you're not right. getting that guy. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke jumps in is it, it, that the, the shine is off that one a little bit with his injuries. <laughs> plus when he has been in there, he hasn't played well. Like who yeah. who's going to be that guy that's going to jump on the portal and, and be like, wow, that's a huge pickup. Well, wow, Most of what the guys a, are a, like seniors that are playing yeah. really well, you know, like right. not a lot of guys that have like even multiple years of eligibility left, you know, right. Like one year I mean, of you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks putting up good numbers at smaller schools, but like, are those guys you're going to go, I mean, are you going to go after, you know, Seth Hennigan at Memphis? Or are you going to go after EJ Warner at no, Temple? You. you know, like, I mean, who, 
who are those no guys going to be? <laughs> That's yeah. like, like I'm just looking at like yards per game. Yeah. It's like you know who are the who are Brady Cook's not going to jump in the portal, right? Yeah. Who who would that guy be? Also, I w- I don't think I would push for Brady Cook. Like he's a good player, but like is he a? I, I don't know. Like, no, he doesn't I, move I, the I'm needle. Right. Yeah, right. unless he's bringing Luther Burden and Theo Weiss with them, then maybe we can have a conversation about it. But that's not. Oh yeah, know, if he wants to bring Luther, if he wants to bring Luther Burden, then that, yes, sir, yeah. sounds good to me, man. Come on yep. over. I was trying to yep. I was trying to look up like some stat like I don't even I can't even think of like a bunch of young younger guys that are like that's what I'm looking at it Ryan it's like Joey Aguilar at, at Appalachian State you've got it's pretty good but like that's Andrew Rogers at North Texas is putting up good numbers this year you've got Byron Brown at South Florida's putting up some good numbers I think as a redshirt freshman you know Haynes mm-hmm. King has actually had some really good moments at at Georgia Tech but he can't transfer again because he's yeah. not going to be a graduate. You know, yeah. so he's already he'd have to sit out a year, I believe. So yeah, yeah who's who's going to be that guy? I'm not like you said. I'm looking at no, I just don't see it, man. I don't see it. Yeah. So I, I I like a few of like the smaller school guys that are on the list, but like again, I, I don't know if it makes sense. Like it's a jump, dude. Like yeah, he, you know, even a guy as as productive as Cameron Ward was the previous stop, it took him a year to get in. I mean, again, you guys are telling me at a press conference saying we have a question about the press conference. I want to get to here in a second, Ryan, you guys are telling me comments today or coach Freeman's telling me, you know, about, well, Sam's still learning the offense and stuff like, you know, first year in offense. Again, Sam Hartman's going to make the, if Sam Hartman can't make that transition, who will, who will, you know? So when, when you look at the teams that are competing for a college football playoff right spot right now, if I'm thinking so, it's Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, all have quarterbacks that they groomed, that they recruited and groomed, and then Washington, Oregon, and Florida State all have transfer quarterbacks. Not one of them was a, is in their first year in that system. Not one of them. They've all been there at least two years. Bo Nix is in his second year at Oregon. Penix is in his second year. And not just his second year at Washington, but he's been in that offense before because he was in that offense at Indiana. So sure. it's a different type of deal. And then Jordan Travis transferred after, I think, his freshman year. At right? Louisville, right? At Louisville. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. I think he yeah. transferred after his freshman He's played against Notre Dame back in 2020. He played against Notre Dame. I think that's yeah. one of his second, first or second career start. Because their starter was hurt, was against their name. So they're not the one-year guys. The one-year, the one-year guys are not on the teams that are competing for championships right now. And it's not a coincidence. You know, like you need that, you need that time, in my opinion, to really take like Bo Nix was a good player last year, Ryan. We we would discuss that all the time. He's taken his game to a whole new level this season, right? Sure. Because why? Because he's got that extra time. He's got that extra time right. with the teammates, he's got extra time in the system. And that that's, I mean, you don't see veterans make the jumps that he has made this year. Guys that have played as much football as Bo Nix don't often make like the giant leaps that he's made as a player, in my opinion, this year. And, um, you know, so I just, that's why I say like, look, you can go, you can go try to find that next guy and hope that the next Sam Hartman's better than this Sam Hartman, but develop the kids you have, man. You know, like the, the problem the problem is if you're trying to find the multi-year kids in the portal, I mean, Notre Dame's a little hamstrung as far as like who they can even take to begin with. Right. So it's not like yeah. I could just take a, a redshirt sophomore, true junior that isn't graduated off, you know, right. definitely, you know what I mean? Right. So like it's a little and, and he's not going to add the value that you're looking for because that guy's probably not a starter. 
right? Like a Malik Murphy. Like if talent wise, would I like a Malik Murphy? Heck to the yes. Absolutely. Sure. That kid's got enormous ability. And I've heard he's a yep. great worker, heard he's a great kid and all mm-hmm. that. But like, does he move the needle for you? He start got two career starts. You know, is that really no? And you're not going to get him to Notre Dame without making some promises, which in his Probably defense, not. I mean, when you start, when you get in the portal, you need to kind of make sure you're looking out for you when you talk about the school you're going to pick. I have no problem with kids saying, hey, look, I'm going to come there, man. I, I can't leave again. I need to know that that this is this is going to be my deal. Now, I'm, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to work at it. But I need to know that going in, this is the expectation. And um, you can't do that. You can't do that. I just I don't want to be that program. Tyler Evans with another super chat. Thank you again, Tyler. Does Dan Mullen go back to Mississippi State or does Mississippi State go somewhere else for their head coach? I forgot. I, that was like a news that was brushed under the rug a little bit was that Zach Arnett was let go. It was like, wow, yeah. literally the Texas A&M Mississippi State job kind of ended <laughs> through coaching. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is pretty hilarious. But yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what drives Dan Mullen. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that he's interested in. I have no idea if that's on the table. Would I look at Dan Mullen again if I was them? Sure. Or I'd look at him again. He did a heck of a job good, there. Good era um, State football, no doubt. Yeah. I, I think Zach Arnett was put into an impossible situation, and he made yeah. the biggest mistakes that you can make making that transition. He tried to just completely go away from, and not as a disrespect to Mike Leach, but like, I'm not an air raid guy. So let's just completely right. go away from that. And it's just like, uh, they, uh. they became a running football team, man. It yeah. was the weirdest thing in the world yeah. to see, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And it didn't work. Which, I mean, cause your roster's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, Zach Arnett, uh, you're, you said it correct. He was in a impossible situation just about because Zach Arnett the year before looked like a very promising young defensive coordinator. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Zach Arnett. And then he gets put in that yeah. position where you're just like, Oh man, it's not I mean, yeah. one. You're following up a guy that, had a great reputation, a guy that was very charismatic that unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away. Right. Like you're just in a and tragically, like really it just kind of situation. happened. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was not an easy situation to be in. There's no doubt. No, but I have no idea who wants that job. Like but 10, ga- 10 games. Can I ask you a question, Ryan? I yeah. mean, it, I'm torn on this. Number part of me is like 10 games is all you're going to give that guy. You thought enough of him to give him the head coaching job, but you're not going to get him out of 10 games. Then the other one is if you think this guy is clearly in over his head, yeah, and you're about to bring in Texas and Oklahoma, like how right. long do you go down this? Like part of me is like it's either it can be one or the other, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. What are your I, thoughts on I, just making a move this quickly on a guy? It's like NFL team if, barely even move this quickly on a guy. With them making that quick of a decision, I am led to believe that the Mississippi State administration and the people making this hire to begin with we're kind of panicked and didn't really know what to yeah. do. And we're just kind of like, okay, they played hard for him. Let's see what it looks like because right. it's not a incredibly desirable job. I mean, who wants to follow up Mike Leach in a tragic situation? Like we kind of talked about already. Right. So I, unfortunately I put, I think that Arnett was just kind of the default guy, you know, to be in the next guy after coach Leach. I, I just feel like the administration probably wasn't in deep belief with it, but they were just kind of like, okay, like we need some sort of stability after tragedy happens. You know what I mean? Oh, and I'm getting mm-hmm. a call from Russia right now. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Go ahead and not take that one. I'm going to assume <laughs> that that's probably not a real call. Yes. Yeah, I, yes. I, I, I get a lot from Colorado and, and other places, but not uh, not Russia. Hmm. So, 
Very interesting. interesting. <clears throat> yeah. My, Michael Les, I'm sorry. It was just I I saw like the that's random a random number and then it says yeah. Russia underneath. Okay. Cool. Uh, Michael last with a super chat. Thank you so much, Michael. Is this year's offensive line coach coaching shortfalls comparable to last year's defensive line coaching? Shortfalls. What does that mean? Um, are are the are this year's O line coaching short coaching shortfalls comparable to last year's D lines coaching shortfalls? So short, basically shortcomings. Um, no, I I think they're worse. I think last year's we talked about last year last year's issues to me. Um. They were things that I don't know that you can really fault Al Washington for at times. I think some of them was coaching, you know, scheme wise and all that. I, I think in, in last year, there were times last year, Ryan, where that defensive line was really good, and then times when they weren't, and that was the disappointing thing—just the constant up and down and the lack yeah. of discipline. To me, this group on the offensive line, the regression we've seen from everybody uh, this season has just been problematic and to me more concerning for last year. Cause you don't, you don't have anything about like, well, the, the buy-in's not there. And once those guys that aren't bought in leave, you're going to be in a better position. I've never heard a thing about the players not buying in to Joe Rudolph, you know, and, and, and I know that Joe Walt's having a great year and pro football focus says he's the number one ranked tackle, but his grade for them is lower this year than it was last year, you know? And, um, I just feel like the, the down moments for him this year have been a little bit more, uh, prominent. And I, I think part of it is because of the, what's going on around him. And I don't care how good you are, Ryan, when, when certain things are going on around you, you're, you're, going to be impacted by that when what's around you is not good you're going to be impacted by that you know and i think that's even hurt him to a degree although he's still been great don't don't get me wrong he's still been great but it's just like you know him getting tripped up by one of his own guards and then getting pushed on his back by a louisville guy and it looks like he got pancaked well no he didn't get pancaked he got tripped by his own guy that never happened last year you know what i mean like and we've seen him get knocked off blocks by his own guys like this offensive line, I've never seen an offensive line knock themselves off of blocks more than I see from this offensive line. I've never seen anything like it. I'm watching the Clemson game, and I'm like, yeah, he's blocking them pretty good. And then comes Blake Fisher comes crashing in and knocks him off the block. It's like, what are you doing? It's like it just – that's more concerning to me because you could point to the buy-in last year, and this is why, Ryan, coming in the year, you and I were a lot higher on the defensive line than a lot of people were. Because we liked the talent, and we had heard the things about the buy-in and all that, we kind of we could kind of explain away what happened last year. I can't explain away what's happening this year. It's just been a bad job, in my opinion, by the offensive line coach. I mean, the fact is, is Notre Dame has gone a. It's been a long time since Notre Dame has rushed for 200 yards in a game, and that is not okay. They have not rushed for a, a 200 yards in a game since week four, game four in Central Michigan, and. um that's that's a problem right that's definitely a problem i'm interested to see especially what it looks like next year because i obviously i'm not a you know one year kind of dictates everything or is the symbol sure. of everything so you know obviously we'll give them a little bit longer to show up because next year you also don't have your you know your tickets in joe Alt anymore right yeah. most likely you're gonna have to completely rebuild this offensive line so what does the competition inside look like? You know, is if Z Carell comes back, if he doesn't come back, like, are you, what does the makeup of the interior look like? 
Blake Fisher becomes back, you know, what are you able to have a breakthrough there? Cause I think that there's a breakthrough that needs to happen at some point or else you just kind of need to become accustomed to like, this is just the Blake Fisher that we're always going to get, you know, at some point. So, mm-hmm. and then it's also, can you get a Mill Wagner ready to play? Can you get Charles Jagasaw ready to play? Can you get Ashton Craig ready to play? Can you get Billy Shroud ready to play? So like this offseason, I think is going to be big for Joe Rudolph and determining just yeah. how good he can be as an offensive yeah. line coach in Notre Dame. Cause there's a lot more questions going into next year on offense line than there is this year. There was this year, oh. I should say. I mean, you had a first round left tackle. You had a right tackle that was now going to be in year. Well, year two of full-time starting, but he was a starter the year before with the limited time he had. You had Zeke Corral, who was a second-year starter, obviously, and then you had two guys that at guard who, although haven't played a ton, are still juniors, right? Like, they've right. still been in the program for a couple of years, so there were a lot less question marks. There were a lot more question marks going into this offseason. I'm still hopeful that he'll get it right. to There's talent. Like, yeah, no idea. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of talent. There's yeah. always talent there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. We had a question from Irish Blood who said, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. What do you think is the biggest weakness as a team right now? For each of those let's, go one, let's, go, let's go one at a time, right? Ohio State, yeah. I think my my biggest weakness right now is I would still say the offense. Can they – Can they? when you get into the postseason, if it does become the scoring games, the postseason games have been in the past, is Ohio State good enough to keep up? I know their defense is better, but we've seen very good defenses still get scored on in the postseason. It's just the, you got to make – you know. Got to make stops, but you still got to be able to score. Um, right. You know, I'd like to say that the Michigan State game, if you're an Ohio State fan, you'd like to say the Michigan State game was sort of like that, okay, they've arrived moment, but Michigan State's just really bad right now. They're really, really bad. And so I need to see them do it against Michigan. But if Kyle McCord can keep playing the way he did and just Travion Henderson, I don't know how much that game you watched, Ryan, but like the burst was there. Like, I mean, he was getting downhill yeah, in a hurry. Uh, so that was a good sign, right? Uh, Emeka was back. He's not 100% yet, but he's at least he's back. And he'll get, you know, Emeka's thing is if, you, if you're if you Ohio State, you just got to get to the playoff because you're going to get healthier in that time off in between. Emeka's going to get healthy. Travion's going to get healthier. You're, some of these guys that are banged up. Tommy Eichenberg didn't play on Saturday. Josh Proctor didn't play on Saturday. Those guys are going to be healthier in the postseason. You just got to get to the playoff. But do the, can they can they score enough? That would be right. one. And I still think they can be susceptible to a really good passing team, especially one like Georgia, who can go at their safeties and linebackers. And that's the dangerous thing with Georgia, with with, with Brock Bowers, and then some of their, you know, getting Ladd McConkey in some of those matchups in space. You know, not that you're going to rip them up, but you can make enough plays on them to outscore them. It would be my, would, would, would still be my thing. And, and I also think if they get up against an offensive line that's massive, they could still have some problems. And that's why I'm curious to see how they're going to do against against uh, against um, Michigan in a couple of weeks. Mine is mine is definitely I, I still have concerns with the offensive line. I think that the pass protection has actually been relatively solid for the most part, mm-hmm. but I still think that they are just a little they, they lack talent in certain spots. Still, yeah. I mean the Simmons and Fryer. I think Fryer would be a really good interior offensive lineman. I still think he's a little bit out of place at right tackle. And unfortunately, you have a quarterback, Kyle McCord, that is a solid mover in the pocket, but like yeah. he, he's definitely going to decrease efficiency when he's pressured. Sure. Right. So sure. I, I think that for me, it's the offensive line is still the question because I, I just, I, 
when pressure's on, I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. And we saw that against Rutgers last week, where Rutgers were yep. able to pressure him a little bit early. We saw that at times against Notre Dame. When Notre Dame actually heated him up, that's when he would make his mistakes, right? So I, I think that's fair, yeah. Georgia, uh, secondary. They're secondary with the young guys and some injuries and some things like that. Their corners are a vulnerable spot for them. That's the closest I can find to kind of a weakness for Georgia because they're they're another team that's just now getting healthy. They got Mims back this week, Bowers is back, McConkey's back. Like this, they're going to go into the postseason right as healthy as they've been all year. Malachi Starks has been banged up the last couple weeks as well. He's I mean he's I think he's playing, but he's been been banged up. Um, I mean, if you've got some really good outside receivers, I think you can win some battles against them because they've got talented corners. They're just young and just not as experienced guys they've had. That's well, the, the last closest the senior, but yeah, that's the closest that I think you're going to find to a weakness on Georgia right now. I think the thing with Georgia is they're just not as elite at some positions like they've been in past years, but they're just really good everywhere. You know, like they're not the yeah. team that like scares me. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to d- kill you in the trenches, but they're still really good in the trenches. They're just not like 2021 Georgia in the trenches, right? Uh, sure. But they're still, or yeah, 2021. The first year they won a title. I thought that D-line was way more, even more dominant than last year's. Um, but they're still good. And their offensive line is – like, Bama's the same way. Their offensive line's now starting to get right. Now as we get in November, their lines are starting to get right. I mean sure. – and, and then the other thing, too, is Ryan is – we still don't know how Carson Beck is going to be in the big moment. It's an unknown. It's not that he will be bad or won't – you know, I don't know. We haven't seen him in that moment. Yeah. We've seen him in some games against Missouri and Ole Miss at home and – you know, games like that, but that's different than the SEC title game. That's different than a college football playoff. Sure. We, you, you don't know what you don't know until you, you're in that in that moment. That that'd be the only other thing I can think of. And, and then, then if they continue to have, I mean, if they can't, they can't. They, they're getting healthy now. They can't afford to not have Brock Bowers in the postseason. Because I think if he stays healthy, that's going to be one of the best things to happen to them. Is him getting injured? Because yeah. it forced other guys to step up. And it forced him to be able to, you know, go to Rock Thomas more, be willing to go to some of those other guys more because he couldn't just rely on, on, on Brock Bowers. I think that made Carson Beck a better quarterback. And now that you put Brock back in, you've now got that faith in other guys, and now you're just inserting him into that. And it's like, good lord, that's that's going to be yeah. dangerous in my opinion. I think that team by far is the favorite to win the championship again in three peat. I would I would say it's just it's a health thing. You know, they they're getting healthy, but like. You know, if there's a couple of bad injuries down the stretch, like could that compromise it? Sure. Otherwise, like mm-hmm. there's just not, not really. They're gonna have to outplay them. That team. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're more beatable than they were last year, but they're still the most complete team in college football. I think right they're now. better than last year, man. I really you think they're do. what think they're now. You broke up. With, you broke think, up when you start talking. I, I think they're. I think they're a better team than they were last year. I think they're a better team this year. I think they're a more focused team. I don't know that I would go with you on better, but I think they're a more focused team. We haven't seen the ups and downs from them, right. but I mean they've like they've fallen behind. They've allowed or they've allowed their opponent to score what is it like five games in a row first. They've had to come from behind mm-hmm. a couple times, but it wasn't be, like sure. last year they weren't focused. They're just a, a they, they're doing what I think Notre Dame should do next year. Now I don't think Notre Dame will be as good as Georgia, but the point is, what did Georgia do? So we're gonna we know we're gonna take some lumps early. Because we're going to 
put a quarterback that hasn't played. We've got, you know, we've got some other positions where we're having to fill veteran players. We didn't go to the portal to replace a bunch of guys. They, they even went to the portal. They got Rock Thomas. Uh, it, um, who's the other kid they got? They got the, they got the kid from Mississippi State and the kid from Missouri. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. He actually uh, the, led, I think he led the SEC in receiving last year. Now he's like a backup. <laughs> yeah. What the heck is his name? Why am I drawing a blank on this, Ryan? Dominic Blaylock? Uh, no, Dominic, Dominic. No, he. Dominic Love, it's the kid from Missouri. Dominic and Rara Dominic. Thomas is from Mississippi State. Yeah. Rara Thomas. I said Rock I Thomas. I'm not sure. Thomas. You know, and they've Thomas been solid players. Auburn, didn't he? Didn't yeah. Thomas play Auburn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No. So that they've been solid players, but they're again, that's what Jordan Jordan uh Georgia does in the portal. They get like, okay, role player, that kind of thing. But yeah. they say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put some guys out there that we're gonna develop. And you know, it would have been easy for Georgia to go out there and say, Hey, we gotta go get a veteran quarterback that can go out there and help us compete, you know, win a three peep. So now we're gonna go with Carson Beck and develop him and understand that early in the year we're gonna have to protect him a little bit and you know, run the ball, play good defense, but eventually the kid's gonna figure it out and now you look at him, Ryan, and he's playing really good football, in my opinion, in, in the last wild, few games. Man. What's the that? Pass protection, the pass oh, protection gosh. is wild for Georgia right now. Because yeah. Ole Miss is actually a really strong team on the defensive line. They have some dudes up there, and they could not sniff Carson Beck this yep. past week. They couldn't sniff him. So, um, yeah, but I, just develop the kids you have, man. That's what you do. And if you believe enough in who you are as a program – then you stick with it. And that's what Kirby's saying is like, no one's going to develop kids better than who we are. So why would I bring someone who hasn't been developed the way that we, that we do it into our program? And, yeah. uh, and it's worked out Michigan. JJ McCarthy. He's a fraud. Yeah. He's a fraud. That's my weakness. He's a fraud. Um, fraud. I'm trying to think how to say this a little bit more. Uh, I, I think JJ McCarthy's a, a nice player. He's a nice game manager. Good college player, sure. He has been turned into something that he is not, and it was exposed in this game. And, you know, I blame Jim Harbaugh 100% for that because he's sitting there talking about he's the best this and the best that. And it's like, dude, just let the kid kid develop. develop, You know what I mean? It's like Charlie Weiss saying, oh, Brady Quinn's going to be better than Tom Brady. Dude, just let him be Tom Brady Quinn. But – I still don't think they have the the playmakers on the perimeter, in my opinion, on on really either side of the ball, but especially on offense to beat a Georgia to beat. I I think again, I still don't think they're going to beat Ohio State, but we'll find out in a couple weeks. But I just think about them going to the postseason, Ryan, and trying to beat Florida State or Washington or you know Georgia with Roman Wilson being your best pass catcher on the perimeter on the outside. Now I like their tight ends and all that, but I just I'm not I'm not in love with Michigan's skill on offense. I'm not. And they're not the big play offense they were last year. Like not even close. Like last year they could rip off big plays. This year they can't. Or at least they haven't up to this point in time. So I just you know, Michigan is a very solid team everywhere. I just don't think they're great anywhere. Like I don't think their front seven's as good as it was two years ago. Um their offensive line's good, but it's not as good as it's been the last two years. I just I don't know. I think they're if Michigan had a run, what's that? Running backs are very good. Very yeah. Good. Well, and, but you know the production hasn't been what it was last year because again I don't think the offensive line has been as good and you know I just feel like they're a team to me that has benefited from the fact they've played no one up until this weekend and um, you give them some of the other schedules that top teams have played and they're not an undefeated team right now. Florida State. 
this is a more interesting one, Ryan. What to me, it depends on which Florida State you get. And that to me is the biggest issue I have with Florida State. I don't know who's going to show up. They're such a strange team. I think it's secondary. I, I know that Central Cypress has been better than what they had last year, but I still don't think he's great either. I think uh, he's a good player. Susceptible. I think he's very susceptible for big plays. Well, and and offensively, they can be they can go through bouts of what are you doing on offense where you're just like you you just can't. Move. I mean, Duke ate him up early, and they finally figured it out and were able to get the ball down the field. But I I I wonder I. That team is just very inconsistent to me. And, and then I would say, too, if you look at the next team on the list that's that's undefeated, because to me, one of these four teams is getting knocked out if Washington runs the table, just flat out. The loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game gets knocked out behind Washington if Washington runs the table. And they keep winning. In Washington, it's an easy one. It's it's Their defense is just, of the four teams, their defense is in a different universe. And yes, their offense is very good, but they're going to have to score a lot against these teams. Because like, to me, like Ohio State has got a defense that can make, you're not going to hold them to 13 points, but you're, you're, you're going to make, you're going to have some stops. I mean, Utah for some stops, Oregon for some stops. They're very good on D, both very good on defense. And, and, you know, to me, it's, can you stop Ohio State? Like that, that's a question, you know, in the postseason, can you stop Georgia in the postseason? I, I don't know. They, they gave up 28 points to Utah. So that's, um, can you imagine Washington in a, in a, in a playoff matchup trying to stop Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson? (laughs) That that would be a high scoring playoff game for me. Yep. And that's the thing that, that to me hurts Washington a little bit, but they keep winning, man. I keep thinking up, this is the week Washington catches an L and they don't. They keep winning. It's going to happen at some point when they see Oregon and it's going to happen. Yeah. So. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.